The Anchored City Podcast is recorded in Anchorage, Alaska, on the traditional lands of the Denina Athabascan people. City Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Kiekenfeld. Just over two weeks ago, the country paused to remember the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Just over eight months ago, the country experienced the protest-turned-insurrection at the Capitol Building in Washington, D.C. In recent weeks, some have linked those two events. Brian McLaren has recently noted that September 11, 2001, and January 6, 2021, have this resonance. Because, in a sense, we saw the ugliest face of extremist Islam in 2001, and then, I'm thinking of René Girard and the whole idea of mimetic theory, that groups react, and as they react, they imitate. So you end up with a violent, hostile, religious insurgency showing up at the Capitol. Former President George W. Bush the president at the time of the 9-11 terrorist attacks, speaking at the Flight 93 memorial ceremony marking 20 years since those attacks, made allusion to the events of both 9-11 and January 6. He stated, We have seen growing evidence that the dangers to our country can come not across borders, but from violence that gathers within. There is little cultural overlap between violent extremists abroad and violent extremists at home. But in their disdain for pluralism, in their disregard for human life, in their determination to defile national symbols, they are children of the same foul spirit. Let's zoom out a bit from those two events. Religious historian Karen Armstrong, in her book Fields of Blood, Religion and the History of Violence, begins with an idea many of us have heard before. Religion has been the cause of all major wars in history. She notes of this statement, In the West, the idea that religion is inherently violent is now taken for granted and seems self-evident. She goes on to explain, When they discuss the reasons people go to war, military historians acknowledge that many interrelated social, material, and ideological factors are involved, one of the chief being competition for scarce resources. Experts on political violence or terrorism also insist that people commit atrocities for a complex range of reasons. For the remainder of the book, Armstrong tours the history of religion and war while proving that war, as it relates to religion, is much more complex than it seems. While religion, as Armstrong debunks, has not been the cause of all the major wars in history, it does not mean that religion is innocent. Religion has in it a large amount of conflict. The religious tradition I find my home in 
the Christian tradition, has a long history of conflict. The faith itself was formed by breaking from the Jewish tradition over the teaching and claims of Jesus. The Catholic and Eastern Orthodox branches of the Church split in the Great Schism of 1054 due to conflicts over religious and political differences. Fast forward 500 years, and the Protestant branch of the Church splits from the Catholic Church over doctrinal issues. The Protestant Church has continued splitting over multiple thousands of conflicts ever since. Around the turn of the 20th century, the Protestant Church in the United States split over placing an emphasis on personal or social ministries. Robert P. Jones, in his book, The End of White Christian America, notes that there are three things that divide white Christian America. Politics, family, as defined by the debate over gay marriage and LGBTQ rights, and race. Before Jones, Emerson and Smith in their book Divided by Faith had noted the division in the evangelical church over race. The recent presidential election highlighted the divisions over politics in the faith community. In that election, around 81% of white evangelical Protestants voted for Donald Trump. White mainline Protestants backed Trump to a lesser degree, somewhere between 51 and 53% voting for him. However, black Protestants were strongly behind Joe Biden at 90%, and the Catholic vote was split between the candidates. As for the LGBTQ plus issues, a 2015 Pew Research Center religious landscape study saw that respondents voicing that homosexuality should be accepted ranged anywhere from 16 to 81% of those asked. The responses varied considerably depending on one's religious affiliation. You might be asking yourself what religious extremism, holy wars, and division in faith communities has to do with Anchorage. After all, this podcast is focused on that city. Stay tuned after the break to find out. And there are deserts that I have yet to cross. And I have dreamed of faraway places where imagination just gets lost and I would search the wide world over for one proverb that is true but of all the roads I'll ever walk I just we are taking a break for just a moment to let you know about an exciting project all during this season of the Anchored City podcast we are exploring places in the city where things are or are becoming the way they're supposed to be for all people. During the months of September, October, and November, we're partnering with Kaladi Brothers Coffee to hear from you about what would make Anchorage the way it's supposed to be for all people. We are asking the question, for Anchorage to be the way it's supposed to be for all people, I imagine. How would you answer that question? Here are a few things people have imagined. Housing for all, not just for those with money. Mental health care for all, healthy civil discourse, kindness, and an education system that is earth-aligned, intersectional, and interdependent. There have also been some less serious answers, like an indoor beach, more dancing and music, or oat milk lattes every day. To share what you imagine, stop by a local Claudi Brothers Cafe and look for the posters explaining the project and the chalkboards where you can record your input in eight different Kaladi Brothers locations across Anchorage. Go to anchorageutc.org all people for participating locations. 
Can't make it to a cafe? No worries. You can share your thoughts by going to facebook.com slash Anchorage UTC. Responses will be gathered and presented to Anchorage decision makers for their consideration. Please join us in imagining an Anchorage that's the way it's supposed to be for all people. For more information, go to anchorageutc.org slash all people. And with all those lessons learned With the crazy long life that I lived already And the scars I earned I still can't seem to find the answers And all the questions I never knew But loving you just once was worth it even if I, I can't have you. Back in 2016 and 2017, I was doing research in Anchorage for my PhD thesis. A part of that research was interviewing 38 pastors across the city. My research showed that those pastors are divided by race, issues both theological and political, busyness, and competition. My findings were consistent with the list Jones had in his book, The End of White Christian America. Politics, family, defined by the debate over gay marriage and LGBTQ rights, and race. One area where the division among faith leaders in Anchorage is particularly clear is in the issue of LGBTQ rights. Let me give you a recent example. I don't talk about it much on this podcast, but I'm a pastor. As a pastor, I'm part of a number of local ministerial groups, and as a result, I get a fair amount of email asking me to support different initiatives in the city. Over the past few months, I've been pulled in different directions by different groups over the Equality Act that is before Congress. The Act seeks to prohibit discrimination on the basis of sex, gender identity, or sexual orientation. Late in the spring, one group I'm connected with sent me an email titled, Statement Opposing the Equality Act. The email read in part, Senator Murkowski needs to hear from the body of Christ. The statement that was being promoted reads in part, We firmly believe that all people have dignity and are made in the image of God. And one aspect of that is that God created us male and female. To speak or act otherwise, as the Equality Act would require, would be to violate our deeply held religious conviction. The statement ends, we oppose the Equality Act because it is unloving to our neighbors and because it stands to threaten the ability of people of faith to live according to their convictions. A second request to sign this opposition statement from another pastor's group appeared in my inbox a few days later. On the flip side, a couple of months later, I received an invitation from a third group to attend an event called Alaska Faith Leaders for the Equality Act a public launch of Alaska Faith Leaders Against Discrimination. That group also had a statement. It reads in part, As faith leaders, we believe all people are equally sacred as each of us is created in the image of God. That is why we believe we must do everything in our power to make sure that Alaska is a safe place to live, work, and raise a family for all people, including members of the LGBTQ community. It ended, Our faith traditions teach us that we must love strangers as much as we love ourselves. This shared principle of faith is what compels us to speak out today 
and demand that we account the same protections for LGBTQ Americans as we do for everyone else. Both of these groups define themselves as Christian. Both begin their statements by saying that people are created in the image of God, yet each reach a different conclusion about the question of LGBTQ plus rights and protections. How is it that leaders in the same faith tradition would come to a different position on the Equality Act when they start in the same place? Well, that's not the type of conversation this podcast engages in. The point I'm trying to drive home is that the faith community in Anchorage is often at odds, and when it comes to the issue of LGBTQ plus rights, that conflict has been going on for decades. A proposal to extend anti-discrimination rights to homosexual and transgender individuals in Anchorage was first proposed in 1976. It became law through an act of the City Assembly in 2015. The proposal had previously been vetoed by Anchorage mayors in both 1976 and 2009. During the 45 years the city's been debating this issue, with Christians passionately supporting both sides, one year, 2009, stands out. In the long division over LGBTQ rights, that year is so contentious that some refer to it as the summer of hate. In the Christian scriptures, in the book of John, Jesus tells his followers, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Despite this encouragement for Christians to be known by love, the legacy of the division in the faith community over LGBTQ rights is tied to hate. The long history of faith leaders opposing each other over those rights in Anchorage is just one example of how religious communities gravitate towards division rather than dialogue. Herbert Anderson, in an article titled, Seeing the Other Whole, a Habitus for Globalization, offers a way of looking at the other. He writes, The issue we face in our time is a simple and specific question. How shall we regard the other? In answering this question, he explains three ways to understand the other. The other is not me. The other is not like me. The proximate other, who is like me, but different than me. The first way to understand the other is rather simple and obvious. The other is someone who is not me. In this understanding, every single other human being is other. The second way of understanding the other is a bit more complex. It is anyone that is different than me. This understanding is based in contrasting who's in and who is out of the group or groups one considers themselves a part of. The third understanding of the other is the most complex. Anderson calls it the proximate other. This other is someone who is like me, but somehow different from me. In this understanding, the qualities of us and them are mixed. Anderson puts it this way, 
The proximate other is problematic because he or she is too different from us to be comfortable with and too alike to be disposed of. In a lot of ways, the division present in the faith communities is because the others are too much alike and can't be done away with easily. This reality creates a perfect environment for conflict and even violence. It really doesn't matter what the difference is that creates the other, but when we view those different than us as others, it's easy to dehumanize them. The effect ends up being that the chance for open dialogue breaks down. In contrast to practicing othering, Anderson offers his Habitus for Globalization. He answers the question, what should be our disposition towards the other, with four distinct attitudes that must precede any encounter with the other. One, a wonder at the mystery of human uniqueness. Two, recognition of the other. Three, hospitality towards the stranger. And four, reconciliation as a way of living with diversity. Anderson's approach to the other is much like Henry Nouwen's understanding of hospitality. Nouwen, as we discovered in episode one of this season, views hospitality as the creation of space, a friendly emptiness where the other can enter in and become a friend rather than an enemy, a place where change can take place, where the other can enter and discover themselves created free, free to sing their own songs, speak their own languages, dance their own dances, free to follow their own vocations, a freedom not disturbed by dividing lines. To be honest, there's nothing really new at all in this particular episode of the podcast. One of the topics you'd be wise to avoid if you want to keep a conversation from spinning into a fight is religion. And while it's not true that religion has been the cause of all the wars in history, it's no surprise that religious folks are in conflict. What might be surprising, though, is that there are groups of religious leaders in Anchorage that are gathering and having dialogue despite their differences. Places in the city where they are practicing seeing the other whole and creating a hospitable, open space for dialogue to take place. Join me next time as we take a look at places in Anchorage where religious leaders, who could be at odds, are instead in conversation. Another place where things are becoming the way they're supposed to be for all people. Until then. I'm your host, Joel Kiekenfeld. The Anchored City Podcast is grateful for our partner this season, Kaladi Brothers Coffee. Kaladi's is a catalyst for community. Stop into one of their 17 cafes in Anchorage, across Alaska, and in Seattle, or check them out at kaladi.com. That's K-A-L-A-D-I dot com. We are also grateful for a grant from Resonate Global Mission and a partnership with Street Psalms, both of which contribute to making this podcast possible. And we are grateful for you, our listeners. If you are grateful for what you're hearing, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and recommend us to your friends. You can support this podcast by selecting the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative at smile.amazon.com when you shop at Amazon so that when you make a purchase, Amazon donates to us. Resources used to make this episode can be found in the show details. The Anchored City Podcast is a production of the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative. The mission of the collaborative is to train the head, hearts, and hands of urban leaders to love their city and seek its peace. When we say peace, we mean a desire to see a world where all things are the way they're supposed to be for all people. 
Find us online at anchorageutc.org or on social media at Anchorage UTC. Our theme music is by Anchorage's own Monica Lettner.